Chapter Five of A Child's History of England. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Laura Koskinen. A Child's History of England by Charles Dickens. Chapter Five. England under Canute the Dane. Canute reigned eighteen years. He was a merciless king at first. After he had clasped the hands of the Saxon chiefs, in token of the sincerity with which he swore to be just and good to them in return for their acknowledging him, he denounced and slew many of them, as well as many relations of the late king. He who brings me the head of one of my enemies, he used to say, shall be dearer to me than a brother. And he was so severe in hunting down his enemies that he must have got together a pretty large family of these dear brothers. He was strongly inclined to kill Edmund and Edward, two children, sons of poor Ironside. But being afraid to do so in England, he sent them over to the king of Sweden, with a request that the king would be so good as to dispose of them. If the king of Sweden had been like many, many other men of that day, he would have had their innocent throats cut, but he was a kind man, and brought them up tenderly. Normandy ran much in Canute's mind. In Normandy were the two children of the late king, Edward and Alfred by name, and their uncle the duke might one day claim the crown for them. But the duke showed so little inclination to do so now, that he proposed to Canute to marry his sister, the widow of the unready who, being but a showy flower, and caring for nothing so much as becoming a queen again, left her children, and was wedded to him. Successful and triumphant, assisted by the valour of the English in his foreign wars, and with little strife to trouble him at home, Canute had a prosperous reign, and made many improvements. He was a poet, and a musician. He grew sorry, as he grew older, for the blood he had shed at first, and went to Rome in a pilgrim's dress, by way of washing it out. He gave a great deal of money to foreigners on his journey, but he took it from the English before he started. On the whole, however, he certainly became a far better man, when he had no opposition to contend with, and was as great a king as England had known for some time. The old writers of history relate how that Canute was one day disgusted with his courtiers for their flattery, and how he caused his chair to be set on the seashore, and feigned to command the tide as it came up not to wet the edge of his robe, for the land was his. How the tide came up, of course, without regarding him, and how he then turned to his flatterers and rebuked them, saying, What was the might of any earthly king? to the might of the Creator, who could say unto the sea, Thus far shalt thou go, and no farther. We may learn from this, I think, that a little sense will go a long way in a king, and that courtiers are not easily cured of flattery, nor kings of a liking for it. If the courtiers of Canute had not known, long before, that the king was fond of flattery, they would have known better than to offer it in such large doses. And if they had not known that he was vain of this speech, anything but a wonderful speech, it seems to me, if a good child had made it, 
they would not have been at such great pains to repeat it. I fancy I see them all on the seashore together, the king's chair sinking in the sand, the king in a mighty good humour with his own wisdom, and the courtiers pretending to be quite stunned by it. It is not the sea alone that is bidden to go thus far and no farther. The great command goes forth to all the kings upon the earth, and went to Canute in the year 1035, and stretched him dead upon his bed. Beside it stood his Norman wife. Perhaps, as the king looked his last upon her, he, who had so often thought distrustfully of Normandy long ago, thought once more of the two exiled princes in their uncle's court, and of the little favour they could feel for either Danes or Saxons, and of a rising cloud in Normandy that slowly moved towards England. End of chapter 5 Recording by Laura Koskinen